Here's one that's anxious to get to Sunday school. <laughs> Sometimes I wish we were that anxious to get to church. Come running in. Hmm, I won't go there. <laughs> Blessed be his name. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13, please. Hallelujah. I just want to read through verses 1 through 6, and then we'll come back and look at them. Let brotherly love continue. Be not forget, uh, forgetful to entertain strangers, for whereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds, as bound with them, and them that suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But the whoremongers and adulterers, God will judge. Let your conversation or your behavior be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we can boldly say, the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Blessed be his name. Starting back at verse 1 again, reading it uh, out of the Amplified. Everybody's taking the Kleenex from up here. No, here, I, I've got one down here. Thank you. I'll leave you some. Blessed be his name. I'm, after this worship, I'm some sort, somewhat of a puddle here, so uh, you have to excuse me. Verse 1 out of the Amplified. Let love of your fellow believers continue and be fixed, be a fixed practice with you. Never let it fail. Let brotherly love be so ingrained into you that you do it without thinking about doing it and without thinking of getting a reward for it. You understand what I'm saying? His nature should show, so be ingrained within us that we're not looking for an attaboy because we're doing and being who he is. Well, that's what he's saying. Agree with that? That's what he's really saying. Let it, brotherly kindness and let the love of God be so ingrained in you that it's your natural state of being. Blessed be his name. Let it continue. Let it continue. Which means that we've already been doing it or should have been doing it. If we haven't been the Lord forgives. Well, see, the, 
the flip side of all these things that God uh, desires of us, and I started to say require, but he's not a difficult taskmaster. We have a choice whether we walk in these things or not. Does not change his love for us, but it does change on what he can do in and through us. And if you can hear this, it, does, uh, it is a qualification for his kingdom. You'll see a little bit of that a little later here. Blessed be his name. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that's also you also love one another. By this, you, uh, all will know that you are my disciples if you love, for, uh, to have your love one for another. Now, I'll be the first to say some people are easier to love than others. And don't all say amen at once, especially the wives of the husbands. But there are some people, even in the body of Christ, that are a little more difficult to love than others. And don't look at me like you don't have that problem. Maybe you don't. There are some people that we have to learn to love. Can I say it that way? Learn to love them. It doesn't come easily. But he says, as he loves us, we are to love one another. How much does he love us? How much has he given us? Don't try to weigh up a scale and say, well, Lord, I think I've done. You, you know, you're way up here in the air. And here's his love for you. And we're way up here. We can't even come close to that. But we can only love one another with the love of the Lord if the Lord is in our heart. It doesn't come naturally. Our natural state in is that we love ourselves and we love ourselves and once in a while we'll let somebody else in just a little bit in the natural. Well, I'll go on because no one's liking that one. Do not forget, again out of the Amplifieds, or neglect or refuse to extend hospitality to strangers in the brotherhood, being friendly, cordial, and gracious, sharing the comforts of your home and doing your part generously. Through it, some have entertained angels without knowing it. But one of the qualifications, well, let me just go ahead and read my comment here. Thank the Lord that when we were strangers and aliens to his way of life, he took us in, cleansed us up, released us from our bondages, 
and made us part of his family. Go do likewise. Just think of where he found you and where he's brought you to. And share that and bring that into other people's lives. We have, over the years, entertained a lot of ministry, foreign and domestic. And part of the, the translation of angels is agalos, which means messengers. So we've entertained a lot of messengers. I remember one time, one of those messengers stayed at our house for two weeks. While they went various and sundry places. And I'm ashamed to admit that it became a little tedious to run that person all over Southeast Michigan. But we did it for the Lord's namesake. Laid aside my schedule to fit into his schedule. I'll just ask you this question. How many would be willing to do that? Pastor, you don't know how busy I am. I'm not exactly a slacker. I know I only work one week, one day, one hour a week. That's what one person told me. And I said, come follow me. Anyway. But the reality is that, well, let's just read on a little bit here. Ephesians 2.19. Now, where, therefore... You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Can you say amen to that? Thank you, Lord. Matthew 25, verse 43 and 45. I was a stranger, and you did not take me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not come and visit me. And they returned and said, when did we all do that? We didn't comfort you and so forth. And he says, Then he answered them and saying, Assuredly, I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not unto the least of these, my, uh, least of these, you did it not unto me. We would all go to all extent we could if he appeared to us and so forth. But let me break this to you. You're carrying Christ within you. And if you're in trouble, then the rest of the body of Christ needs to come and minister to that part of the body. I'm too busy. Well, if you're laying in the hospital... Wouldn't you want someone to come to you. Now, I've known some people that won't like any visitors in the hospital. That's too bad. I go visit them anyhow. <laughs> they need to break that. Never mind. 
almost. Be good, Chuck. Be good. He's still working on me. Let me tell you why here. First Timothy 3.2, a bishop. As I put the note there in the New Testament, the term bishop, overseer, pastor, elder, and presbyter are interchangeable. A bishop must be blameless, husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, and given to hospitality and to teach, and apt to teach. Being hospitable is a qualification of the ministry. We have learned that our house is your house. When we moved into Arden, our home in Livonia, we sat down together and we said, Lord, let this be a house where your people can come and find rest, comfort, and strength. This is your house, Lord, and we're just living in it. We dedicate it to you and the body of Christ. And he took us up on that. I remember one time, <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus, um, I had to go and pick up a young uh, lady who was being abused by her husband. And I called Glidell while she was at work and said, I'm got to bring so-and-so home. I told her the situation. And she says, okay, fine. I said, and her cat. Two cats. Excuse, that's right. I was going to start to say two, but... Two cats. If you know anything about Glidell, she is not a cat person. In her house, yes. She loves them from afar. <laughs> 10 to 15 feet. Well, I bring her and she let her be in the basement and so forth. There's a, there's a bedroom down there. And that's part of what the Lord arranged and so forth that we could entertain people like that. Well, we had our poles wrapped in carpet. And I walked down there, and here's this one cat on the top of the pole. I'm going, what are you doing there? And he's doing what a cat does, but I'm going. <clears throat> the, trust, the trial of your patience. <laughs> But when Glidell came home and she saw the cat, she said, what is that? <laughs> and I said, well, there's another one downstairs, too. <laughs> but whether it was convenient or inconvenient, please hear me. If you're thinking that I'm trying to pat myself on the back, you're not hearing what I'm saying. If you're going to, if part of the qualifications, if, the, if you're uh, not only called to ministry, but just called to the body of Christ, one of the qualifications is hospitality. 
kings and priests unto God. And we realized a long time ago that whatever the Lord has provided for us is not ours, it's his. And he can use it however he wants to. Blessed be his name. Turn to Isaiah 58. I'm not going to expound on this. I'm just going to read through it because I could spend the whole day on this. This is the chapter about real fasting. What the Lord defines as fasting. Uh, starting in verse 1. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek, seek me daily and delight to know my ways. As a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They asked me, uh, they ask of me the ordinance of justice and they delight in approaching God. Delight in coming near to him. Wherefore they, uh, have we fast, say they, and thou seest not. Wherefore have we afflicted our souls, and thou hast, not, hast no knowledge. Behold, in the day of your fast you, have, you find pleasure. The uh, Septuagint translation says, uh, you pursue your own interest or your own business and exact or oppress your laborers. Behold, you fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness or lawlessness. You shall not fast as you do this, on this day to make your voice heard on high. What he was saying is you're fasting as a religious custom. And he said it has nothing to do with being religious. It's not, uh, it's fasting, everything about fasting is not about religion, but about relationship. He said, you, made your, you want me to do something, so you say, I will fast, as if your fasting is going to persuade God to see it your way. That's what the religious do. Well... I want to do this. I want God to bless this. Bless my way, so I'm going to fast until he blesses my way. You're going to get awful skinny. Well, let's go on to the way he defines a fast. Starting at verse 5. Is this such a fast that I have chosen, which is to, I have selected, or uh, is acceptable? 
for a man or mankind to afflict, to humble or humiliate his soul? Is it not to bow down thy head like a bulrush, to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Would thou call this a fast? and acceptable unto the Lord, or Jehovah. That's what they would do. They would, you know, not put on any of their ointments or their jewelry or whatever the case may be, so they could look like they're being holy. This is what the Pharisees and Sadducees did. You could tell when they're fasting because they had a certain air about them. I'm talking about religious air. said, I'm fasting before the Lord. Look at me. Aren't I spiritual? The Lord said, when you're fasting, anoint yourself. Don't let anybody know about it. Just come before me. It's about you, between you and me anyway. It's not because you're trying to impress someone. Well, thank you, Lord. Is, it, is not this the fast that I have chosen? Again, that which is acceptable or appointed, required, to, ch- uh, to loose the bands of lawlessness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, the broken, the bruised, the, the discouraged ones, and to break every yoke. So when you're fasting, go and lift up the hands that hang down. Strengthen the feeble knees. Go be an encouragement and a strength. Lay aside your agenda and go do what I tell you to do. Go be a strength to someone else. Get out of your own little box, your comfort zone and go be my hands and my feet and my mouth. This is the fast that I have chosen. Blessed be his name. Break every yoke, is it not to deal your bread to the hungry? And thou shalt bring the poor that are cast out into thy house. When thou seest the naked, thou shalt cover him. When thou hast little, uh, when thou hast, um, and thou hast, um, I wrote over this so I can, okay, uh, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Septuagint says of that, it says, disregard the relationship of thy own seed. That's the cousin or the uncle or sister or brother that you have a hard time with. Boy, it's quiet here. 
there are some in your own seed line that are a trial for you. Whether you admit it or not, it's the truth. You go and the ones you get along with, you go, you know, move heaven and earth to go ahead and help them because they're family. Well, there's some parts of our family we wish that weren't related to us. Does anybody hear what I'm saying today? Am I in the right house today? And when they're in need, you have to think about it. And wait, do I have the money? Do I have the within me? Do I care enough to go help? When it's some other part of the family, oh, you're right there. Well, Lord, I'll go help them after I get this done and that done, and maybe by the time I get to it, they won't need any help anymore. Amen, Brother Chuck. Hmm. Then shall thy light say, if you do these things, listen what he will do. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thy health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go down before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. If you do what I tell you, I'll take care of you. Can you hear that? Is there any other interpretation for that? If you do what I'm saying, if you give yourself out and be take fast from your doing and do what I'm telling you to do, then I will reward you. I'll take care of you. Thus, hell shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and thy glory, the glory of the Lord, shall be your rear reward, or your rear guard. He will go before you and follow after you. He did that with the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. You know, they had the pillar of fire before them, and Egypt came behind them. They had Jordan in front of them and Egypt behind them. What did he do? Took the pillar of fire that was giving them heat and light and put it between them. And it was gross darkness on the Egyptian side and light on the Israeli side. I rest my case. Will you think the Lord will do that for me? Yes, he's always faithful. It is written. We have his word on it. Verse 9. 
then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. Blessed Lord Jesus. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, and the putting forth of the finger, and speaking vanity. Stop pointing at someone else and realize you've got three fingers pointing back at you. Well, verse 10 and 11, I'm going to read out of the, the Rotherham, out of the notes here. And, thou, and, and, and uh, shalt thy own soul go out to the hungry, and the soul of the oppressed thou shalt satisfy. Then shall break forth in darkness thy light, and in thick darkness becomes as the splendor of noon. You, you put yourself out in my name, and I'll light your, you in the middle of your darkness. If you obey, if you keep my fast, What's the major fast from? Doing your will instead of his. That's the fast he's called us to. Yes, there are times when we're seeking the Lord and he may tell us to, uh, you know, don't eat. I'm not taking that away. But this is the, really the fast that he's called for all of us. And Glad Al and I have fasted and got the direction of the Lord. I understand that. But too often it has been used as a way to try to persuade God to our viewpoint. Help us, Lord. Verse 11, continued in the uh, Rotherham. Then will Yahweh, or Jehovah, or the Lord, guide thee continually and will satisfy even in scorched regions thine own soul. Nay, thy very bones he will invigorate. My God. Maybe I'm being facetious. That sounds like to me a cure for leukemia. Because leukemia starts in the marrow of the bone. I'll just see la. So shall thou become like a garden well watered and like a spring of water whose waters do not deceive. He said, if in the midst of a scorched land, you'll become a well watered garden. Whatever's going on around the rest of the world, will not touch you. Even if it touches you, it will not destroy you. Thank you, Lord God. Let's continue, verse 12. And they, shall, and they that shall be of, thine, uh, of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt raise up the foundation of many generations, and thou shalt be called a repairer of the breach. My God. 
and a restorer, a discoverer, a rescuer, a refresher of the past to dwell in. It really means the past leading home. Can anybody hear this this morning? From generation to generation. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath and from doing thy pleasure on my holy day. In our society, Sunday has become just like any other day of the week. It is not hallowed any longer. We're doing our own pleasure on his holy day. I'll just let that be. From doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, a uh, holy unto the Lord, honorable, and thou shalt honor him, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasures, nor speaking thy own words. Thou shalt delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob, thy father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. This is my fast that I have called. Blessed Jesus. Back to verse 3. In Hebrews, not 13, I'm sorry. Keeping in mind those who are in chains, as if they were changed with, you were changed with them, and those who are in trouble as being yourself in the body. Being not only just empathetic, but being there to help them in what the situation is. Romans 12:15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. 1 Corinthians 12, 26. If any one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Let me ask you this. Do you rejoice when one of the members of the body is exalted or has gets a promotion or raise or whatever the case, buys a new car? Or are you, how come, Lord? What did he do or she do to get that that I'm not doing? I'll just continue on. Let marriage be held in honor, esteeming worthily, esteemed worthily, precious of great price, and especially dear in all things. And thus let the marriage bed be undefiled, kept undishonorable, honored. For God will judge and punish the unchaste, all guilty of sexual vice and adulteress. This is no secret, but every facet of marriage is under attack by the spirit of this world. 
Satan knows that if he can weaken uh, this God's ordained institution or even the definition of marriage, he can destroy the family and by that extension, the church. Because that's his real target. But first, he, he comes at it subtly by destroying the family. And let me just read something here. If therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. That's God's definition. I don't care what, if that's not politically correct or whatever de definition the world has, it's wrong. Well, we have to be accepting and loving. Do not draw iniquity to your bosom. I'm not saying you have to hate them, but you don't have to rejoice in their sin. Well, well you're just being religious. No, I'm being spiritual. The Word says, and what the Word says, we live by. Because if we don't live by it, we're going to die by the standard of the world. Blessed be his name. Titus 1.6 Elders must live a blameless life. He must be faithful to his wife, and the children must be believers who don't have a reputation of being wild and rebellious. I think the Lord is trying to say something here. He says, he's, he says, to be in ministry, you have to be the minister, and you have to be the husband of one wife. Now, in the things of the Lord, if whatever was the situation prior to your accepting or moving into the Lord, that's forgivable. But what he's not going to forgive is that after you're in the new covenant, you go against his word. I'm not here to talk about divorce, but I just did. Because God thinks it's important. If you can't be faithful to your wife, how are you going to be faithful to him? Well, Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Starting at, at verse 9. The word gets tight, but he's right. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Can I read that again? Yes, I am. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. So in case there's any question about that, God defines that, unrighteous, what he considers unrighteous. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor the effeminate, nor the abusers 
of themselves with mankind. The word is really sodomites. Nor thieves. I don't go to the part of the word of God where it says, if you're robbing me of tithes and offering, you're considered a thief. But that's not what he's talking about here. The word is an embezzler. Uses out of, by false teaching to gain material gain. Embezzler, or a thief, excuse me. It's, it is an embezzler. Nor covetous. One eager to have things for themselves, especially what other people have. How come they got that, Lord, and I don't? That is, that is disqualifying. See, when, when I'm talking about the fast, these are the things he's talking about. What is your attitude like? You need to fast from those attitudes. Can you hear that? Fast from those activities. Fast from, that, that's just part of my nature. That's the old nature. Don't claim that. You've been circumcised in those waters of baptism. That old man was killed. And it only is, is alive because you want to keep him alive. Well, let's continue here. Since everybody's so happy about this so far. No thieves, no covetous, no drunkards, no revilers. The word revilers are those who use abusive language. Are you a quick draw artist on how to tear people down? Do you think it's admirable because you... I gave them a piece of my mind. I told them who they were. Disqualifies. Well, does that mean you're going to hell? No. And it does mean that you'll be on the outside of the city, the New Jerusalem. Well, know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Let's continue. Nor extortioners, those who coerce or blackmail or pressure. Have you ever pressured somebody to do something they didn't want to do? I'm not talking about being a parent. But I'm talking about, you know, because we... Bless our hearts. There are a lot of times we have to pressure our children to do what is right because they're children. But when we're trying to coerce and blackmail people, you know, say, I know what you've done. And so I'm going to hold that over your head so you'll do what I want you to do. 
disqualification for the kingdom of God. Pastor Chuck, you're being awful hard. I didn't write it. Look up the words yourself. See what they say. Extortioners shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He repeats it. But here's the good, good news. And such were some of you. But you are washed. But you are sanctified. But you have been justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. And by or in at rest in by manner of the, the spirit, of God, uh, spirit of our God. That's who we were. But he's sanctified us. He's justified us. He's separated us unto himself. I said the old man's been buried. But if you're still hanging on to old man nature's thinking, what does the word of God say about it? Disqualifying yourself for the kingdom of God. Is that eternally lost? No. But that's falling short of the glory he has for you. Let's continue on quickly here. Verse 5. Let your character or moral disposition be free from the love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions. Brother Clark touched on this a couple of weeks ago. And be satisfied with your present circumstance and with what you have. For he, God himself said, love this. And the Amplified translates it correctly. Because it's the same that was in, the, uh, I believe it's Weiss and, and uh, Weymouth. It says, I will not in any way fail you nor give you up nor leave you without support. Can anybody say Amen. Then he goes on and says three triple negatives. I will not, I will not, I will not. I think he's trying to tell us something. In any degree, leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you, let you down. Relax by hold on you. Assuredly not. In, oh, God. No matter what condition you're in, he does not release his hold on you. He doesn't say, away with you. He hangs on to you. And maybe put a little squeeze on you. Because you're carrying things that aren't suitable or aren't pleasing to him does not mean he lets you go. He's willing that all would come. And that... Well, I love the fact that Judas was a thief. And what did God, what does a thief want? He wants whatever he has and whatever you have. Fairly good definition. So what does the Lord do to Judas? He gives him the very thing where he is weak. He gives him the purse. He's the treasurer. 
What kind of thinking? You know, God should have known that. Jesus should have known that. What was he thinking? He was thinking, I'm giving him a chance to correct what is in his nature. I'm trusting him so that which I've given him will convict him and change his heart and bring him to repentance. That's always the heart of the Lord, to bring people to repentance. So when the Lord gets you to a place that you struggle with, don't think the promotion is from anybody else. It's from him to help you deal with what you struggle with. And I will not, I will not, I will not release my hold on you. Bless you, Jesus. Hallelujah. First Timothy 6, 9 says this. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into foolishness and to hurtful lust which drown men in, in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. I told you this before, but people have, many people have thought that Glidell and I were a whole lot richer than we are. What a, I can prove it to you. I can show it our bank account. But the thing is that we've honored him and he's always supplied everything we need and abundantly. Every time we've had a need, he has somehow taken care of it. He's ever faithful. Remember, it's not the having money that's the sin. It's the, the love of money. I've quoted this before. I think it was John Paul Getty. Somebody asked him, how much, how much is enough money? And he said, just a little more. That's the problem. Never being satisfied and never being thankful for what you have. That's something Glidell and I have practiced. We're thankful for what God has given us. Last verse and we're done. Out of the Weymouth. So that we fearlessly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid what man can do to me. Can you say that? I'm not afraid what man can do to me. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace to him in the time of need. And the Spirit of the Lord caused me to look up that word need. It's actually, the word is time of need. It's one word. It denotes the, the, the divinely appointed time. 
a favorable time. He knows exactly when to do what and where. I've seen him throughout the years do too many things. And again, he proved it this morning with my, when I lost my lens. Didn't have any idea where it was. Like I said, I had walked the dog so it could be anywhere. And I sat down, I put my shoes on to go outside and start looking. And then I said, Lord, just help me find this. He said, go look in your glasses case. Because I take my glasses and put them in my case every night. And that's where my lens was. And I repeat myself. If God takes care of the little things. Well, let me just put it the other way. We trust God for the big things. But how he takes care of us in the little things gives us faith for the big things. I've had him do too many things, too many times, that were no big deal to him, that were a very big deal to me. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Let's stand. Lord, we ask you truly this, this morning to search our hearts. See if there's things within our lives, my God, that are disqualifying us for your kingdom. Lord, you are so faithful to us. You promise that you will never let us down. You will not, will not, will not release your hold on us. We thank you, my God. Lord, but search our hearts. Let us be honest, my God, before you. And as David said, see if there be any wicked way, any lawless way in me. Anything, my God, is not pleasing to you. And show us. For Lord, we would be qualified for your kingdom. We would not have anything in our life that's not pleasing to us, or to you. So come, my God, search our heart, convict us, my Holy One. In the holy name of Jesus Christ, seal this word to our hearts, my precious one. Bless this precious people with your presence, with your spirit, with your conviction. We ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen?